Welcome to She Will Not Fall, a podcasting community dedicated to women who are daring to reimagine and redefine their faith, their gift, and their call, and how they present them to the world. I'm your host, Muriel, and as always, it is a privilege and a pleasure to be in this sacred space with you. We have another great episode today. Season two is all about liberation, and I continued that conversation with my guest today. But before I dive into today's guest, I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, make sure you're following us on Instagram at She Will Not Fall Collective. If you'd like to be a part of our Patreon community, you can go to patreon.com backslash I am Mariel T. You can also give a one-time donation if you feel led to do that. You can check the show notes to determine how to do that and which um, way you would like to do that. We have another great episode. And as I stated, I'm excited about today's guest. My guest for today is Ajane Dawkins. Let me tell you a little bit about Ajane. Ajane is a poet, performer, and educator. She has performed at venues across the country and has opened for the United Nations Secretary of Sexual Violence and Conflict. She has been published in The Rumpus, The Eco Theo Review, The Breakbeat Poets Black Girl Magic Anthology, the offing and more. Ajane is currently the theology editor for the Eco Review, Eco Theo Review, a Blackburn Fellow as an MFA candidate at Randolph College, and an NDiv candidate at Methodist Theological School of Ohio. I really enjoyed my conversation with Ajane, especially because we talked about a group of people we really haven't talked about on the podcast yet, and that is creatives. That was my favorite part of our conversation, and I think you're really going to enjoy that. We just really dive into how important creatives are for liberation and writing the soundtrack of liberation um, and just being a part of the the liberating space and movement. So I'm not going to delay any further. You know what it is. Sit back, relax, and let's hear this week why Ajane will not fall. All right, fam, welcome to another episode of She Will Not Fall. We're in season two. And of course, season two is all about liberation. And we're talking about that. And I have another amazing guest, Ajane, because I want to make sure I say it right. Correct yes. me. Okay. Ajane no, <laughs> is my special guest. And we're going to be talking about liberation. But as you know, we try to get to know our guests in a special way. So Ajane, I know that the question was hard. Yes. But <laughs> for people to kind of get a sense of what your personality is, if you had to describe yourself as a song title or a book title, what would it be and why? So I'm going with Higher Love um, by Whitney Houston and Kygo. And one, because duh, Whitney Houston, I am a Whitney Houston stan. Like for me, she is, she's it for me. Like she Same. is peak, peak black girl. Um, and I think I have so many emotions tied to like the person that is Whitney Houston or like the, pu- the public version of that person that we got access to. Um, and so there's like a particular kind of joy that's set in that, but also, um, this idea of just constantly reaching for a like deeper or higher or more divine form of love yes. is, I think, what 
all of my concepts um, of navigating my life or reaching towards the life that I want to live are centered around right now. Yeah. Um, I've tried a lot of other variations of how to center my life um, or things or philosophies that I wanted to center my life around. And nothing has been as productive and edifying as just like aiming to be somebody who is capable of loving people in more whole and healthier ways. So that's what I'm going to go with. That's beautiful to me. Like, I think trying to, and I honestly, wanting to liberate others is a form of love. Amen. And it is love, really. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I was looking at the video today, and though I understood what the person was saying, I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, she was saying, through your deconstruction process, you know, you don't want to take things that you learned in, you know, fundamentalism or evangelicalism and apply it to now this so just like you don't have to and she used the word evangelize your new outlook to people mm. and she was like you don't have to you know um try to recruit folks like you would probably you know an evangelical just walk your own journey and I was like I understand what you mean and no, I'm not trying to necessarily evangelize, like trying to make you into or convert you over into what I'm thinking. But I do think that if I'm walking in a form of liberation or a form of love, I got to share this with people. <laughs> Listen, you have to share it with people. And I think not just that, but I, I think the politics of it become mucky because we have um, so many negative connotations, right, with um some of this language like proselytizing and um, we know that some very manipulative forms of proselytizing have been used Um, but it's also like if I see a sister of mine um, or you know sister sibling whatever somebody um, in Christ who is not free for like a reason that is like limiting whether it's like um, fear-based or whatever, and they're not experiencing liberation. Like it's, that is, that is my responsibility. It's my responsibility to in some way, even if it's not what we traditionally consider proselytizing, um, even if it's just by like being really bold about like, yo, this is the thing that I've been set free from. Um, I've been set free from this thing, from this form of fear. And I'm not, I'm not out here, um, struggling the way that I was, then mm-hmm. I think that's almost like an obligation. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I, and I don't think it's the same thing, especially because so many folks are coming out of spaces and they're coming out with trauma. Um, they're coming out with, uh, their relationships with God have been, um, inextricably impacted. <laughs> um, yes. their relationships with community have been impacted and they're like, only able to love out of a wound because that's what happens like and we see it really frequently in the deconstruction space where people enter deconstruction and it's like they can't even enjoy God anymore um, yes. because there's just so much anger and there's space for that and there's uh, there's absolutely space for that space for anger space for rage um, but at some point like I want people to be able to love God not from the wound you know yes Whew. listen we didn't even dove into like the <laughs> <laughs> the actual questions and I'm like hey man we can end right there um so talking about liberation um I know that there can be communal definitions for liberation and for Mm -hmm. groups of people but I always like to ask guests 
what does liberation look like to you personally? Like, how do you define it? Oh, low key, all your questions were hard. Um, I'm not <laughs> gonna hold you. I was looking through them. I was like, all right. Um, I don't know if I have just like one specific definition that is overarching. Um, but I think the biggest one is having the freedom and space to come into fuller and better versions of myself. Um, I think that liberation looks like a lot of things right now in the public sphere. Um, and I think that I don't really have all of the rhetoric um, always. And it's not that I don't know how to use it, um, but there was a point in my life where I like just started to discover liberative politics, um, um, the language for them, um, what they were supposed to mean and, and what they were doing. And I discovered them while I was in college and I was using them to decimate people. <laughs> like mm -hmm. there was like no love in my practice, but I was like, yeah, we're getting free over here. Um, and like, as soon as somebody misspoke, as soon as somebody said the wrong thing, I was jumping down people's throats because I had this arsenal of language um, around what liberation meant. Um, and I had no praxis, <laughs> um, no yes. praxis at all. Yes. Um, so for me, a lot of what liberation is centered around is in our ability to apply what we claim our ethics are. Um, mm. So, and, and then our ability to grow in those gaps. So not just am I, uh, not just do I have like freedom in these myriad of capacities that I should, but do I have the freedom to grow as a person? Yeah. Um, do I have the freedom? Am I so worn out by all the socioeconomic um, circumstances of life that I literally can't even get to the next level of thinking about what a better version of this world would look like, what better oh. versions of my relationships with people would look like, where I can't even think about what it might look like to be accountable. Accountable. I know we talk about this really frequently, even just thinking about our parents um, and like the lives that they were living and how our parents might have um, disciplined us a little different than like we planned but a lot of our parents were like in survival mode like they didn't have this freedom they didn't have the liberation to like be accountable to what they were just like we got to get this food on the table we got to keep this roof over our head you know what i'm saying and so i th i think a lot of liberation is like what do i have the capacity for because nothing is ever going to be a perfect system where humans were messy um we're going to continue to harm each other um yeah. but do we have the capacity and space to move and grow um and the like knowledge to do that, I guess. Yeah. My, my concept of liberation is centered around that, which is might not be specific enough. No, that's perfect. Because two things you said. One, um, having the space to be yourself, like your whole self. Like, I don't think people really realize how much of a privilege that is because so many of us have spaces where we cannot be ourselves we have to be these other versions of ourselves unfortunately like I hate code switching like I just don't like it like, <laughs> but it goes kind of what you were saying some of that has been survival like because if I don't code switch in this space I'm not gonna be able to so I tell any person if you're able to just be your whole complete self and 
wherever you go. And that is completely a privilege. So I'm, I'm happy that you said that because I don't think people really realize that that's a part of liberation too. It's just being able to be you. Yeah. <laughs> like being able to be yourself. Yeah. So for us to learn a little bit more about you and we're talking about liberation. So I like to tie in those two things together. How are you seeing liberation show up in the work that you do? Beautiful. So um, I'm a poet and an educator. Um, I'm a theology editor for um, a literary magazine called Eco Theo. Um, I'm a, a also now a podcast host for a show called Versus. I think that it maybe shows up differently in different spaces. One of the first things that started pushing me towards a like more, I'm just making words up, like tossing things together, like a more liberative ethic was seeing other women operate in these spaces, operate in spaces where they were being vulnerable, where they were acknowledging themselves as full people, um, where they were sharing kind of like the ugly parts. Um, and I'm not talking traditional church testimonies, which, you know, time and place, we value them, um, but who are really like walking testimonies consistently. And then I felt like they showed me what was possible. And by watching them, I kind of got to be a little free um, on my own and be like, oh, I can do that. Things that I would have never thought were possible. Um, so in my own work, I think I'm almost trying to replicate a version of that. Um, so like the writing I'm doing right now is dealing a lot with my relationship with my mother, um, is dealing a lot with um, the ethics of memory and storytelling and who gets the right to tell what story, right? Um, and for the first time in my life, I am like, many of the poems are implicating myself as somebody who's like caused harm and somebody mm -hmm. who is capable of causing harm um, to people through my actions. And I think that I try to work in confessional modes um, with the hope that one, somebody feels a little less alone, but two, that the work that I'm doing ends up acting as a mirror to somebody because that's what the work that other people did for me was. Mm -hmm. So other people would be transparent. They would be vulnerable. They would share these pieces of their story. And then I would look at them and I would be able to see myself more clearly. And I'm like, there's all kinds of like, you know, before and after church approved testimonies I could share, but what happens if I just really implicate myself as somebody who is just kind of a mess. <laughs> um, and I share that and then somebody else can see themselves through that and then work towards a form of freedom after having been able to see that. So I think a lot of my work is that, and then also trying to give people language to articulate what they're going through. Oh, that's so good. I want to ask you this question because you are a poet. Um, what, how do you see <clears throat> the arts? So being a creative and creatives <laughs> playing a, a key part in liberating folks. Cause I think a lot of times people think more traditional. So like preaching or 
even singing, but primarily coming from the pulpit. But I really think that arts play a critical piece in, and creatives play a critical piece in either writing the soundtrack to liberation, uh, whether that's through music, through poetry, through whatever it is, um, through actual art, like painting, like all of those things. So I would love to hear your perspective on that, like how important that is that we need creatives um, for liberation. We absolutely need creatives. I think that, who let me let me get my language together for this because I wanna I wanna try to speak precisely because I, I tend to speak a little roundabout. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I'm working with right now is this concept of prophetic imagination, and I think that creatives particularly Black creatives tend to exercise prophetic imagination in their work. Um, and essentially in them creating, which I think of, I think of creating as a space where I'm, I'm collaborating with God. Um, I think of creating as a space where it's not, it's not me. It is like, it's like I'm sitting down and me and God are like, all right, what are we about to do? Um, Makoto Fujimura, who is a brilliant um, painter and theologian, has a book called Art and Faith. And he talks a lot about this theory or this theology of making. And I think there is something to that. And I think there is something to the work that we make being prophetic, being things that can either build worlds for us, that can reflect the world that we're in back to us, um, or that can like be a catalyst for change. So I'm thinking about folks who are not even traditionally um, or like might not even consider themselves Christian, um, but are creating that work. And the work is just, it's just prophetic. <laughs> like, like Octavia Butler was just prophetic. Yes. There's not really a way around that. And then I'm thinking about um, a lot of a lot of activist work in general relies on a kind of prophetic imagination. If we think about folks like Martin Luther King Jr., that man is a prophet. Like yes. there's just there's just no other way around it. Um, and the capacity to say, okay, I'm looking at the world um, around me, but what I'm seeing is something else. I'm seeing in the supernatural. I'm seeing in in a completely different realm. And that's what I'm getting ready to translate for people so that they can see the vision that I'm seeing. They can see the vision that God has given me. Um, I think in that way, creatives are pushing us towards liberation because they're constantly expanding our imagination of what's possible. And they're like giving us a glimpse into these things that are being created with God. Um, and Makoto Fujimura, his idea is that like the things that we're creating in this in this earth are things that God will use in the new earth. Um, it's a really beautiful, brilliant concept. So like if we're out here building spaces where like there are no prisoners, um, where there are um, no people who are going hungry, there are no children who are being abused, then what that becomes in this kind of afterlife and how God shapes and molds that. Like what is what does music sound like in heaven what is um what do poems what does all of these things what do they sound like what are these things that we're building um yes. whether through our language or these other forms sound like and i think creatives are kind of leading the charge um on at the very least what it looks like to imagine i think we need lots of folks other folks to help with the execution of these things because creatives be having lots of imagination and no executive functioning <laughs> skills um, <laughs> so true 
Um, but I think that's such a piece of it. And I know there's so many things in this world that I don't know that I could have imagined um, until somebody else like wrote the thing or set the thing and created the thing. And all of a sudden I was able to imagine myself um, as a different woman, as a woman with larger capacity, I was able to imagine the world in a different way. I was able to see God differently and it impacted my relationship with God. Um, I think even just like about Denise Smith, um, is it, oh, I don't want to mess up the poem they wrote. Um, uh, cause I reference their work for a few things with this, but they have a poem where, is it somewhere, somewhere, somewhere? Um, where essentially they're imagining an afterlife for black people and like visually it's, it's insane. Like they're coming up from these graves, like they're, they're coming up from these graves. Um, they're being brought into the earth in this way and things that were used as weapons, um, in the natural world, um, become almost like tools of liberation in this heaven. I'm probably explaining this really poorly and I don't have the book next to me. I'm gonna have to like link it or something. <laughs> um, so people, so people don't uh, uh, take my poor description as, a indi- as indicative of Deneza's creative work because Deneza is absolutely brilliant. Um, but like, that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about. And so then I'm like, oh, wow, how, how might heaven be restorative for black people? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that helps me fall deeper in love with the gospel. Yeah. So, yes, I'm going to stop rambling. No, that's <laughs> no. When I say that, that's so perfect, because I think a lot of times I, I don't think people really see the value that creatives have when it comes to expressing the divine, not just for what our present context is, but the hope that is to come. You know what yes. I'm saying? And so. Um, when I think about music and the arts and dance and singing and all of those things are so critical, even to movements, right? You have artists who have written soundtracks to um, movements <clears throat> and to bring awareness that something is going on. Like yeah. I was reading about um, Strange Fruit and mm-hmm. when it came out, like, the FBI and CIA were literally trying to like ruin her life while she's singing about a reality that is happening. Like, <laughs> I listen and I'm like, but that, that is like the power of it. Like Toni Morrison talking about how, I don't remember what book it was that they were trying to ban in the prisons. And she like framed the letter they sent her talking about, it, it was like, wow, how powerful that oh this little God. book, this little book is going to cause riots. Wow. Right. Like it's, it's amazing. <clears throat> but I think that that speaks to the power that we have to give, like, like you said, give language to, um, to folks, but also that people can see themselves. Yes. Like, and, and that's, that's to me is a key part of liberation is, can you help people see themselves? Can, can you help, help people see a better way, you yeah. know? And specifically, I'm always like, and can I help people see God better? Because yes. I realize so frequently the, 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 the image of God that has been constructed is like, it's rough. It's, it's rough. When people be telling me like who they think God is, I'm like, oh, that's, that, that's rough. <laughs> um, and so what does it mean for somebody to be able to get to know, get to know a different version 
um, yes. of God than the one that they were taught and this one that they were taught that is like harming them or that has been actively harming them um, through people, um, yes. and through the perspectives of people. I'm glad we're talking about this. This is like literally, this is why I always love this podcast because we are organic around here. Um, we, we go yes. with where the conversation goes. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's been something that I've been thinking about. Like I have um, really been thinking about music because that's my area and worship. And um, the other day I was really listening to like a lot of gospel CC music and just kind of listen. And I was like, we speak about ourselves so negatively, like the way we talk about our bodies when it comes into relation with God is it makes me sad. And so it, it, but it also makes sense why people feel the way that they do or feel like God hates them or God Mm -hmm. does not love. But so I've really been on this tangent of really looking at how the body is holy and divine Mm. because most times it's, you know, you are filthy rags. You are like, yeah, we got all of these, <laughs> all of these like sayings and terms and all these things. And I'm like, no, first of all, <laughs> it just, it frustrates me, number one. But number two, I'm like, why do we think thinking badly of ourselves makes us closer to to God and to the divine and I just that's the part that's the tension that I sit with right so I really think that we have to I really want to help liberate folks on that <laughs> like, listen we can have a whole conversation <laughs> about this whole situation because I think when I was at the worst place in my faith I had like a whole faith identity crisis like maybe two years ago um in the pandemic listen we was we was going through it in the pandemic okay listen. <laughs> um, and that I was like I think that was one of the things that was tearing me up um was just this I I couldn't I couldn't get past this idea that I just like it was, nothing was good enough nothing was ever gonna be good enough I was always I was like repenting every two seconds like lord sorry because I breathe wrong I, I yeah. took I took three deep breaths instead of two was I being obedient to the, like it was just yes out of, it was out of control um and who said this all right this is this is half my problem okay I'm not one of those like I I really admire writers who like they got all the quotes memorized in their head and they're like on page 32 in the third paragraph <laughs> They said, I'm not that person. I remember ideas. Um, and I don't remember if it was Candace, Candace Bimbo, who said this. Um, and I might be, might have got that wrong. But someone was talking about the way that we view people through their sin um, and how that distorts the image of them. And I think when you're talking about that, I think part of it is the way we're frequently talk, taught the gospel. It doesn't just distort the image of God, but then it distorts the image of ourselves. So then we, when we look at ourselves, we can't see ourselves in our fullness. We can see ourselves in and by our sin. And our sin is definitely prevalent. I'm definitely messy. I definitely like need need to be gotten together frequently right um but the image of myself is distorted and it blew my mind again if it was Candace don't remember but 
essentially someone had said they were like imagine if we viewed Eve not through the lens of her having eaten this apple and it just dawned on me that I've only ever viewed Eve (laughs) as like the reason for the fall but she was like this whole person this whole person this whole human this whole daughter of God and isn't hell you know what I'm saying it's kicking with God has been reconciled to God but I view her through this singular sin and how has that distorted my image of the mother of creation you know what I mean um and then and in turn, how am I distorting the image of myself when I look at myself and I can only see my sin, I can only see my faults, my dirty rags, et cetera, et cetera. And I cannot see my my yes. whole person. And then how does that distort the image of God as well? Absolutely. Um, and the folks around me, how am I less gracious, which I have been. That hey, part. used to be way less gracious about other people's sins than, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Used to be wild when other people would mess up. Um, yeah. And how do those distortions then like, impact our capacity for love because it's a whole lot harder to love myself if I can only see myself through the apple I ate right exactly um, I'm over here using Eve's name as a curse every time I get a cramp like oh <laughs> god at you Eve <laughs> like but like you say it, and it's hard to love other people it's like if yeah. you can't love yourself right so the greatest commandment love the Lord that God with all the heart mind and soul love your neighbor as yourself a lot of people can't love their neighbor because they don't love themselves yes got the wrong image of god in the first place loving the wrong god can't see ourselves clearly don't love ourselves don't love our neighbor it's a mess it's a whole a whole complete (laughs) mess mess. listen (laughs) i'm telling you oh my gosh so thank you for doing that because i think a lot of people that i've had on the podcast i've had some creatives but I really I love creatives because I am one (laughs) so anytime that I can um, talk to creatives and you know us expound a little bit more about the importance of the work that we do I'm always going to do that because that's just my favorite thing Mm -hmm. Um, thinking about what you do and thinking about future Mm -hmm. what are some ways that you're hoping to liberate others and what are and women black folks whatever whoever how, what are in your work, what are some ways that you're hoping that you can continue to liberate folks? Um, I am invested. I'm invested in making space for people who have felt harmed by the church, um, who have felt like God, Christianity wasn't for them um, because of who they are. Um, I think a lot about the legacy of DMX um, and how when he passed, all these folks who, like, I definitely don't think would identify as Christian, um, but, like, flooded my timeline with their stories about how DMX was one of the people who made them feel like there was a space for them in this faith world. Like that is what I'm invested in that. I don't care if you've been away from the church for 30 years, if you ain't picked up a Bible, if you ain't prayed, if you was cussing God out yesterday, you know what I mean? Right. There is something in some of the work I do that doesn't narrow the path um, that doesn't close in the path to 
to relationship with God, but instead it might make somebody say, oh, dang, maybe there is space in this thing for me, um, as opposed to what has been the opposite for a lot of folks, which is there is not space for me here and I am not safe here. Yeah. And that's super critical. One of the things that I tell my friends, I think I've said it on several episodes, but is we have to be okay with creating spaces outside of a traditional structure because there's some folks that will never go back to church. Yep. But I think that we can create communities where people feel accepted, they feel safe, um, and that they can heal because that's the thing. Like a lot of times we will we'll be in environments, but we kind of like are in defensive mode because we're trying to protect ourselves. But to have a space where you can wholly heal mm-hmm. is monumental. So mm-hmm. I think that is critical. So I'm grateful for folks like you and others who are trying to create those spaces because it's real out here in these streets. And <laughs> Like it is real out here in these streets. And I see so many people who are like, yeah, I'm never going back to church, but they still desire to have a connection with God and they need a space that's not attached to that. So they can be in some cases introduced to God, because what you said earlier, the God that they thought that that ain't, that one it that like, mm mm-mm. Listen, when I, my concept of God, when I, when I was growing up was like, Jesus is the person you go to see when you're done having fun. So that way you could be like boring and shackled for the rest of your life. That's really what I thought about. Like it was, um, shout out to Erica Dickerson, um, was just like a brilliant playwright, um, brilliant worker. And she used to teach a Bible study um, that I started attending at UW Madison. And it was my first time, and I realized it was my first time being taught the Bible by a black woman. Wow. It was my first time I'd never, um, I'd, I'd been in church for a long time, you know, and you know how it goes in apostolic churches, you know, black women were the prayer warriors, were the prophetesses, you know, we're the church mothers, we run kids ministry, but we're not the folks who are equipped in seminary. I um, mean, not even to say that seminary is the only way to be able to teach the Bible, but we're not the folks who go to Bible school. We're not the folks mm-hmm. who are sit down and doing the breakdown for breakdown of scripture. And I realized it was my first time ever being taught the Bible by a black woman and I was like, I ain't never heard of this Jesus. And I, was lit. I was like, I was like, oh, that's that's all y'all had to say. I was like, oh, I'm I'm game. It's, it's me and Jesus then. Like what? I was like, Jesus gang. Like where do I sign up? Yes. So yes, I love that. Introduction is awesome. I would like to reintroduce myself. That's really <laughs> yes, and that's what I'm saying. Like I think having these spaces is critical because it gives you a reintroduction or and honestly some of us don't need a reintroduction to the god that the the version of god that we got we need a yeah. introduction and a fresh perspective <laughs> so i think it is so critical when we are dedicated to that type of work and yeah. that we got to do that so we've covered a lot of things so i want to give you the floor What are your final thoughts? Anything you want to leave? And then also let people know how they can follow you, support the work that you're doing. Final thoughts. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just a charge. My charge to everybody is to not in the ways that we've been taught to like just absolutely like abhor and hate ourselves, but to really investigate like how are my politics, my claims, how are they lining up with my actions when I say that um, I love Black women do I love black women? And then I'm, am I being mean and cruel to the black women who are like under me? Am I, um, I think about even, I think about even in my own life, just some like missteps I've made with sisters, um, in ways that I've harmed women in my life, like just not executing the practice. I'm talking about them on social media, talking about protect black girls, protect whatever, but in my interpersonal relationships, like like I'm, I'm messy. So my charge is, um, to ask folks to, to investigate, like, what are, what are your ethics? Like genuinely, what are your ethics, your ethics informed by faith? And then how are they showing up in your praxis and how are they a reflection of God? And how can you continue to expand that view of God? Um, and then also show yourself grace in the process. Um, Mm -hmm. And hope that in showing yourself that grace and then continuing to show up as that better version of yourself, that stuff is like really contagious. Like it just is like, I've given some apologies in my life that like, I literally could see like chains, like breaking off of folks just by the act of me going and saying, you know what? I was, I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong for this and I'm sorry. And, you know, um, there's, I don't know, there's just like freedom on the other side of our accountability um, for other people, like our, us being accountable for ourselves, us being accountable for our own actions and being accountable for the way we love people. Like there is like, we talk about like what we can do to liberate people. There's like grassroots movements and all this stuff, but there is like freedom for other people and us just being accountable for the things that we do. And I think even if we just think about the apologies that we're waiting on from people that we just are like constantly reconciling that this person's never going to do right by me, like there's people we can do right by um, and trying to make amends with. So um, I don't know. That's always my thing. Reconcile with somebody. Um, if you can, liberation, I think liberation is in the reconciling. How can people follow you? What can, what are you working on that people can support? Yes. Um, people can follow me on social media, moons at dusk, um, which I've been for like 10 years at this part. I'm like, I want to change that handle, but (laughs) it's kind of part of my identity now. Moons at dusk on Twitter and Instagram. I'm working on a lot of things. Like I said, I'm the theology editor for Eco Theo. If you are a writer um, and you uh, would like to submit an essay um, dealing with uh, culture and theology and um, ecology and theology, you can send it my way. I would love to see it. I am a co-host for the Versus Podcast with Poetry Foundation. You can check that out when the episodes come out. Um, and... I'm going to be in Cincinnati for residency soon. I'll be doing like two weeks worth of programming. Um, I post a lot about the stuff that I'm doing, but you can just check out um, the things that I post on socials, the the writings and performances, et cetera, and share them. That would be great. I love it. So Ajane, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and have a conversation about liberation. It has been an amazing conversation. Um, and I know that I got a lot out of it. So I know that those who are listening will get out of get a lot out of it. 
So thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was so nice. Of course.